Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, make sure you're subscribed because I'm splitting $10,000 across 10 lucky subscribe beautiful bastards this month. Let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today are these massive updates regarding the dumpster fire of a human being that is Andrew Tate. And I'm a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say, to, to do what I want. I like being free. We talked about him last Monday. His content has blown up on social media over the summer. Seemingly the, the algorithms pushing this heavily towards teen boys and young men. With his content ranging from generic motivational bullshit to just endless misogyny. It is also part of the reason so many of his supporters say, I don't agree with all the things he says, but well, Top G, uh, that's a pretty big but when the other things are women being a man's property, saying rape victims should bear some responsibility of the assaults against them and more disturbing shit. But with Tate and his insane popularity, one of the questions that we talked about was what do you do to rein it in? And with that, a lot of people had a lot of different ideas, though it kind of boiled down to the main three. One, just ignore it. Two, debate and debunk it. Or three, deplatform. While people were arguing their various points, we saw over the weekend Meta banning Tate from both Instagram and Facebook. Well, the company did not specify exactly what prompted the ban. It did say that it was over violations of its policy regarding dangerous organizations and individuals. That was pretty massive because Tate had around 4.7 million followers on Instagram at the time. But that kind of just kicked things off. Because then on Saturday, there were reports that his Hustlers University venture shut down, which was his program where some referred to it as Scheme, where members paid a monthly fee and then earned commissions from signing up new members, with many calling it MLM pyramid scheme bullshit, but also part of the reason for his sudden surge on social media. Now with this, according to The Guardian, Hustlers University posted in an online forum that followers should not be worried about this and that an exciting new update is coming. But for now, the closure of this could be a massive loss of revenue for Tate. Though, I will say it wouldn't surprise me that if he does launch something or bring it back, that he's gonna make even more money from it. But then the final, at least for now, punch to the gut for Tate was him getting banned on TikTok on Saturday. With TikTok telling NPR that the ban is permanent and explaining, misogyny is a hateful ideology that is not tolerated on TikTok. And adding our investigation into this content is ongoing as we continue to remove violative accounts and videos and pursue measures to strengthen our enforcement, including our detection models against this type of content. But also, of course, with this, you had tons of reports looking at it and noting, hey, it wasn't actually the content posted by Tate that was really the issue. Right? It was the videos from his supporters who simply reposted old comments that Tate had previously made that were blowing up and getting around a reported 12.7 billion views on the platform. Though, regarding that TikTok statement there suggests some of the content is set to take a hit, with The Guardian even noting that some of those accounts have actually been banned and many TikTok users claim that they're starting to see less and less Tate. Also with this, while the general public is reacting, we've seen a number of creators reacting like KSI saying, thank God he got banned. And then others like Hassan Piker feeling that this was just an attempt to save face on behalf of these social media companies. Writing Andrew Tate obviously didn't invent misogyny, but had no issue becoming its online face as he skyrocketed to fame over the last few months. Of course, social media platforms were going to use him as an example to act like they're doing something, even though they directly contribute to the problem. Others also having a similar take, saying, yes, it's a good thing to ban him, but writing Andrew Tate is a symptom, not a cause of the bigger issue, which is that young boys are not being taught to process their emotions in a healthy way. Writing that this crisis is part of the same unhealthy masculinity that fueled Andrew Tate's fame, and until we're ready to take that crisis seriously, people like Andrew Tate will keep popping up. But also, regardless of the bigger issue, you had people like Ethan Klein saying this is a step in the right direction. Though people being like, are you really in favor of deplatforming? Bitch, he should yes. be in jail. Yeah. I want to deplatform his life. You also had Daz Black, who had a super viral video about Tate last week, some actually crediting him for everything that we're seeing now, responding to this news and seemingly happy about it. And saying that yes, his video did result in some hate from hardcore Tate stands, but that the vast majority of responses were from people who are now celebrating Tate's ban, with Daz saying, Who wants a mass misogynist on the internet? Screaming left, right, and center abusive things. Who wants it? Let this be a message to anyone out there that wants to breed and stream hatred 
and oppression. Now, with all that said, I personally think that unless something else changes, the unfortunate or disturbing truth for people that want to see Tate deplatformed or banned or just not constantly promoted to young, impressionable men, is that this is all probably gonna make him even more successful. And that's not me saying what should or should not be done by these platforms, but it looks like the reality of the situation. Yes, Hustlers University is shut down, but it looks very much like he's priming it for a 3.0 launch. Also, with his supporters seeing him as a victim, they're more likely to give him their money. And as long as you have other massive influencers like Aiden Ross, who will continue to platform him because it's great for their views, he's not going away. But ultimately, that's where we are with this Andrew Tate situation for now. And of course, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on these huge updates and the continued fallout that we're seeing? Also, you should know that Big Bird is getting canceled in the process of getting deplatformed. This isn't happening because some podcast clip went viral of Big Bird defending Harvey Weinstein like, but they knew what they were getting into. Nor did it come out that he did Justin Trudeau's makeup for Halloween. But rather, because HBO Max right now is removing tons of content, including original programming from its app with this apparently due to the upcoming merger that it has with Discovery Plus. And so of course you have people asking, why would you do this? And according to places like CNBC, this could actually be a cost cutting measure because they don't have to pay residuals. And a lot of the stuff that's getting cut is children's content. So it could be part of a brand shift that focuses less on children's programming. And online we've seen so much backlash, people speaking out against the removal of around 200 episodes of Sesame Street as well as dozens of other shows being removed. Within the moment seeming like a disaster, some asking, is this the end of HBO Max? But that might not be the case because it appears that HBO Max got a massive win over the weekend. Enter the Game of Thrones spinoff House of the Dragon. Now there has been skepticism that Game of Thrones doesn't guarantee a win, but it's a gamble that you have new characters, so many fans feeling pissed off about the last season of the main show. But while really no one's calling it a masterpiece yet, it appears at the very least they have people's interest. It debuted last night and the demand was so high that HBO Max actually crashed for a ton of people. With HBO saying these outages were linked to people watching on Amazon devices, but the show was successfully viewed by millions of HBO Max subscribers last night. And so yeah, while that crash took over Twitter, the company claims that far more viewers watched it without issue than with. And while anecdotal, if you want to see some evidence of people just being excited to watch this as fast as possible, there's this TikTok where you can see through an entire apartment building's windows and pretty much everyone is watching the show in unison. Which I mean, that alone is kind of amazing because we really don't see that these days. I'm personally going to catch the first episode, see if maybe that's something that you would be interested in. Some of my favorite live viewing experiences, obviously, yes, Game of Thrones, but of course, Breaking Bad. And luckily, not only is there interest, it's looking pretty good on Rotten Tomatoes too. But also, if you watch a series, what are your thoughts on it so far? I'm going to watch it right after I finish filming this. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Keeps. You know, two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time that they're 35. It's not uncommon. Maybe you have that friend or that family member that's dealing with hair loss and you don't have to just wait around for that to happen to you. Whether you're looking to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair that you have, Keeps has you covered. Keeps helps you stop hair loss before it's too late with a scientific and affordable approach to treatments that are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. And in addition to clinically proven treatments, Keeps has an award-winning all-natural thickening shampoo and conditioner system. And you can get these products delivered directly to your door. That means no more going in person to the doctor's office for your prescription, saving you both valuable time and money. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash DeFranco, or just click that link in the description to receive 50% off your first order. School is back in session this week and more fucked than ever. We've been talking about challenges that educators are facing, right? You have teachers shortages. There's also low pay, COVID burnout, the mental health crisis. And so instead of just plowing ahead, despite all the crippling issues, some teachers are flat out refusing to work until they're addressed. With some of those leading the charge here being the teachers union in Ohio's largest school district known as Columbus Education Association or CEA, representing more than 4,000 teachers, librarians, nurses, and other employees. And they've been slogging through a series of grueling contract negotiations with the Columbus Board of Education for weeks now, but no agreement has been 
been made yet. With a 12-hour session going nowhere last weekend, the union saying that it was prepared to continue negotiating, but instead the board laid out its final offer, which unfortunately the union says does not address its concerns with those primarily surrounding heating, AC, air quality in schools, class sizes, building conditions, teacher pay, and the availability of art, music, and PE classes. So on Sunday, we saw the union hold a vote among its members on whether to go on strike, and an overwhelming 94% said yes, with teachers walking on picket lines at 20 schools across the city today, including Columbus Downtown High School, where union spokesperson Regina Fuentes spoke to reporters. In just the last few hours, parents have delivered coffee and water to the picket lines. Students have visited to say hello and offer hugs. Thank you. Over 300 community members have stood shoulder to shoulder with us as we began this first day of our strike. Fuentes going on to say they never stopped reaching out to the board to try to reopen talks, but that they just haven't heard back. And adding that they want to get back in the classroom as soon as possible, but they're doing this for the students. We are, we truly are making this sacrifice because we want the schools that Columbus students deserve. And that last part I think is an important thing to look at because one of the, the biggest pushbacks whenever teachers go on strike is, oh, what about the kids? You don't care about the kids. But to that, I would say, if your teachers are set up for failure, what do you think your kids are set up for? But with all this, as far as what happens next, teachers will be gathering outside the schools every weekday from 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. until a deal is reached. You also had the school board having an emergency meeting today, but already deciding to move forward with plans to begin school on Wednesday. Doing this by bringing in full-time substitutes and administrators and teachers shifting to remote learning, though the union argues they can't effectively substitute a quality education. But for now, it's looking like this standoff between the teachers and the board with some 47,000 students caught in the crossfire is an extra shitty start to the year, and we don't know when it's going to end. And so with this, I want to hear from all of you in the education system, whether you're a student, you're a teacher, you're a parent, an administrator, or whatever, what are your thoughts with this? Then, there's this viral police beating video that's so fucking gnarly, I don't think I can actually show it in this video, but I want to talk about it. Unfortunately, that's just the way the YouTube policy is, I don't want this video to get suppressed, so if you want to see the actual video, you just have to search police Mulberry, Arkansas, because that is where this beating and arrest happened yesterday, and if you haven't already seen it, it's a 34 second video taken by a bystander. It shows three officers holding a man to the ground of a parking lot. There are three officers on top of this man. One officer is repeatedly punching this man in the head, then grabbing his head and slamming it into the concrete several times. A second officer continually knees and kicks the man in the legs and back while a third holds him down. And that clip absolutely blew up online, of course, resulting in the reactions that you've come to expect with stories like this. And since going viral, we've gotten more information about it. State police have now identified the man as 27-year-old Randall Warchester of Goose Creek, South Carolina. With the jail booking information reportedly indicating that Warchester is white and out Outlets noting that the three officers involved also appear to be white. And as far as what happened in the lead up to this video, you had a local news station reporting that Crawford County Sheriff Jimmy DeMonte said the police had been called about a man making terroristic threats to a convenience store employee. Also claiming that Worcester spit on the employee and threatened to cut off their face. The sheriff then saying that Worcester rode a bike to another location where he was met by two Crawford County deputies and one Mulberry police officer, saying the interaction between the four men started out as calm and Worcester actually handed them a pocket knife. But then he allegedly began attacking one of the deputies, pushing him to the ground and punching him in the back of the head, which the sheriff claimed claimed is what led to what was seen in the video. And according to the state police, after this, Worcester was sent to the hospital before being released under the custody of a county jail, where he currently faces charges of second-degree battery, resisting arrest, refusal to submit, processing an instrument of crime, criminal trespass, criminal mischief, terroristic threatening, and second-degree assaults. With it also being reported that Worcester has a prior battery on a police officer charge in Oklahoma from 2021. Now, all of that said, as far as the officers in that video, in a Facebook post just this morning, the Crawford County Sheriff's Office identified them as Deputy Zach King, Deputy Levi White, and Mulberry Officer Thel 
Bell Riddle. Also yesterday, after the footage started gaining a lot of traction and backlash on social media, we saw relevant law enforcement agencies responding quickly. On Facebook, Sheriff DeMonte said that he had requested that the Arkansas State Police conduct an investigation and saying that the deputies have been suspended pending the outcome of the investigation. The Mulberry Police Department also issuing a separate statement saying that the officer involved in this incident had been put on administrative leave pending an investigation by state police. And as far as what happens next, you have the Arkansas State Police confirming last night that they have now opened a use of force investigation into the officers and will submit their findings to the Crawford County Prosecutor. But for now, that's where we are. Of course, we'll have to see what comes from the investigation. But of course, the court of public opinion always open. And so with everything that we're seeing, all the claims that are being made, uh, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with this? But ultimately, that is where that story in today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching and subscribing to my daily dives into the news. If you're looking for more, I got you covered right here or in the description down below. But as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.